You're listening to Soul Roadmap, episode 39. Welcome to Soul Roadmap Podcast. Each week, you'll hear strategies and inspiration to take action and live life better. Hi, I'm Dina Cataldo, lawyer, coach, and entrepreneur. This podcast is your roadmap to creating more success in your life, business, and relationships. Let's get started. Good morning, wherever you are. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I guess it could be evening if you're listening to this in the evening. But right now, I'm recording this first thing in the morning, and it's stormy here in Sacramento. One of those days that you just want to stay snuggled under your blanket. And I'm recording this intro before I go into the office this morning where I have a stack of files waiting for me. So I am enjoying every single moment of this morning, including the gentle wind chimes one of my neighbors has. It's actually really relaxing. I don't think I'd get a wind chime for myself, but it's actually kind of nice listening to it from afar. So this weekend, I was working on an upcoming free masterclass for all you lawyers out there that's going to be available the last couple of weeks of February. And I'm doing live classes teaching lawyers five secrets to finding ease and creating boundaries while making their billable hours. Now, registration isn't open yet, but if you want to make sure you know when it is open, you can DM me on Instagram at dina.cataldo with your email address. Or you can email me at dina at dinacataldo.com and let me know that you want on the list. I can't wait to share this with you because these strategies have really made all the difference in my life and how I perform at work. But today I get to share with you Tyler J. McCall. He's someone I stumbled upon and he has an amazing story. In fact, he's so relatable that I wanted him to come on this show. His business is really about translating that vulnerability, that humanness into online marketing using Instagram. And you'll want to check out his Insta stories at Tyler J. McCall when we're done because they are so much fun to watch. We talk about how we may have a set plan, but if we're not open to setting a new course, then we're missing out on amazing opportunities. And really, we're talking about working through fears, the fear of change, of judgment, of not being good enough. And these fears are fears that each of us have at some point in our lives. And I don't know that they ever really go away because our reptilian brain is always there trying to keep us in the warm blanket of safety and security. It thinks it's protecting us, but really it's preventing us from growing. So how do we get past those fears to create something bigger than we ever dreamed? Tyler tells us his journey today. Now, before we get started, I want to tell you about one more thing. It's called the free dream sheet, and I've created it just for you, really. It's a starting point for you if you're ready to take a good look at your life as it is, and you're ready to explore how it can be even better. In last week's episode about investing in yourself, I called it something else, but I think dream sheet is more accurate. It helps you think through where you can start dreaming bigger. You can download it from my website as well as get anything that we talk about here in the podcast today at dinacataldo.com forward slash 39. That's dinacataldo.com forward slash three nine. 
And because both Tyler and I are so into Instagram, why not join the fun with us? Take a picture of you listening or screenshot your device, then tag us both in your Insta stories. Tag us at Dina.Cataldo and at Tyler J. McCall. That's T-Y-L-E-R-J-M-C-C-A-L-L. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Tyler. Well, hello, Tyler. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. You are somebody that I kind of bumped into on the internet because I follow James Wedmore and Amy Porterfield and I am engaged with their content and you are too. So it was just kind of a natural flow for me to find my way to your Instagram account. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and you know who you are? Yeah, definitely. So I help entrepreneurs, uh, in particular, folks who have an online business or creatives, artists, makers, kind of anyone that is living their life or running a business in a more creative way. I help them market themselves online using Instagram. And what we really focus on for our students inside the community we run is how to be more intentional with Instagram because it can definitely be a time suck for a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs. And then how to be more genuine as well. So how do we show up as our true, genuine, real selves online so we can connect with the right people? So that's what I do. I run an online membership community called the Follower to Fan Society, where we educate our members, give them resources and support as they are implementing what they learn with us. And in addition to that, I live in Chicago, Illinois for now. I'm moving in just a couple of months back to North Carolina, where I'm from originally. Um, I have a partner of over 10 years. He and I are getting married this year, which is really exciting. I love traveling so much. We travel a ton. It's one of my favorite things. And I'm a huge Target fan and obsessed with all things Bravo TV. So at the end of the day, I'm like pretty much just a basic American gay man. But um, I talk about Instagram. I run a business online, which is really cool. And we were just talking before we started a recording. It's really neat. I get to like really live my life kind of out loud in the world online and connect with people in that way. And it's, I don't know, it's really incredible. The opportunities I've had and the people I've been able to connect with, I'm really grateful for it. Oh, I love that. And when I brought up the topic that I wanted to talk about today, which is fear, um, you were totally game for it. You were like, hey, let's do this. So I'm excited that, you know, you were so willing to just dive in and, you know, share with us some things and feelings that come up when you are engaged in an endeavor, like, you know, starting a business that, you know, you're scaling to a million dollars a year plus when you're, you know, making big life changes and, you know, me just even talking about that fear and that growth, I can feel it in my body. Like I can feel it kind of buzzing, like, ooh, you know, and I know that as an entrepreneur and as a lawyer that, you know, when you start something new or you enter a courtroom, you get everything in your body coming up to like, almost you have to find a way through it to get there. So I want to talk to you about things that you've learned over the years and techniques that you've learned or things that have helped you work through some of that fear. Sound good? Yeah, it sounds great. (laughs) It's scary, but I'm here for it. I'm ready. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. I appreciate you trusting me. (laughs) So you have started an online business and you know not everybody listening really has started an online business. Maybe it's something they're not really familiar with. Can you tell us how you entered that field? 
Yeah, definitely. So my background is in the nonprofit world and the political organizing space. So I got out of college and immediately went to work for the YMCA. And that's what I did for around six years, working for the YMCA in marketing and membership and sales and operations. And for folks who are listening here in the US, you probably already know the YMCA is typically a swim and gym in the US and Canada. So it's, you know, you go to exercise, you go for swim lessons. It looks different all around the world. But that's what I did right out of college and for most of my kind of quote unquote professional nine to five career. And also spent some time away from the YMCA doing political organizing, community organizing. I started and ran a nonprofit. I worked on political campaigns, those types of things. And toward the end of my time at the YMCA, I was feeling very burnt out. Very, very burnt out. You know, in the nonprofit world, it tends to be thankless work. You work a lot and the pay does not necessarily match the hours required for the job. And I was working a lot and I was really feeling like my skills and my talents weren't being fully utilized in the role that I was in. And I had made some poor decisions with regards to my career as well and kind of trying to maneuver and shift myself into my ideal role. And it didn't really work. It kind of fell flat. I ended up in a worse role than I had before. So all these things had happened. So I started just freelancing on the side. I was still working full-time, but I started managing Instagram accounts for local businesses. And I started with a local business where we lived in Asheville, North Carolina. And I actually... So a little bit of a backtrack. I've had so many side businesses. I had another side business making a handmade product. I made a room and linen spray with essential oils and packaged it myself on my kitchen table. I printed off my labels off the copier at the YMCA. <laughs> and I was selling that at a few local stores and trunk shows and craft fairs and things like that. And a local store in Asheville was carrying my product. And I loved what they did in their store. They had amazing products. They had such a clear picture of who they were trying to reach with their products. Their Instagram was so bad. Oh my God, it was so bad. And I loved them so much. Like I knew the owners. I loved how they approached their business. I loved how they showed up in the world. I loved how they showed up locally, all these things, right? But they're, oh my gosh, their Instagram was just so terrible. So I, I think I emailed them. And I said, Hey, have you ever thought about paying someone to run your Instagram account? And they're like, Oh, no, not really. What would that look like? And I had lunch with one of my friends and I worked up this proposal and I uh, printed it out. And I even made sure I had like cute little gold paper clips to paper. Clips. <laughs> I wanted it to be all on brand. And I went and met with them and had this whole proposal for running your Instagram account. I think I charged like 300 bucks a month. And I was like, I'll take your pictures. I'll post on Instagram for you. I'll help you get more followers and get more customers. And they were like, okay, sure. Why not? So that was my first client. And in conversations with one of my dear friends who, you know, she was helping me figure out this proposal. And she had had her own business before, a photography business, but we were both kind of in the nine to five world at this time. She and I went to lunch. And funnily enough, before I went to lunch, I was talking to my partner, Eric. And I said, Oh my gosh, you know what? My friend, her name is Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane and I should just like quit our jobs and start a business together. And Eric, my partner just laughed. He was like, yeah, like that would ever work. Like the two of you are so different. Like that would never work. And we had like lived together before. We had traveled together. So we were best friends for years and years. And Eric was like, that would never work. You're so good. <laughs> um, and Sarah Jane and I were sitting there. We were having lunch. We were in downtown Asheville. And I was telling her about this thing I wanted to do, this proposal. And I was going to run this business's Instagram account and how I wanted to do more of that. And I was just so sick of my job. And she said, oh my gosh, we should quit our jobs and start a company. Oh no, that's awesome. And I said, okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. 
Now, mind you, I'm not spoken to my partner about this at all. I have a history of like going all in on things and then telling Eric after the fact, which is really not an issue in our relationship anymore. He's just kind of used to it. Um, <laughs> and I've gotten better at discussing things with him. So we decided then, this was in October, and we decided, you know, by February, we were going to leave our full-time jobs. We were going to start our business. And I already had the name. I already had the logo. I designed it already. I feel like I get these like messages and I'm like, I've got to take action. I've got to do this. So I like sit down and I do it. And then the thing is there and ready. And eventually it comes to life. I knew like the promise of the business, the position, the messaging of the business. And we decided to do it. We got our first client together that November, which was literally just like a friend of a friend. They were looking for someone to run their social media while they were doing a crowdfunding campaign. So we did that. We did like a six-week contract with them. We ran all their social media. We helped them raise like $20,000 to surpass their crowdfunding goal. And then Sarah Jane had a friend who had a friend who owned another business. So they were our first retainer client for a six-month social media management contract. And we left our full-time jobs in February with just a couple of clients, not really a clear plan of how we were going to get more. But that was our first business doing social media marketing and management. And after about a year, Sarah Jane was not feeling it anymore. We met for a tea one day toward the end of that year. This was 2016. And um, <laughs> I remember Sarah Jane saying, I realized I don't really like social media that much. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm doing this. And I was like, yeah, that's a great realization. So we dissolved that business. So 2017, it was another moment of like, okay, now I have to do this again. So I had to go out on my own entirely and run this business, take the business under my name, still doing social media management. But then I started coaching people how to do it themselves. And toward the end of that year, 2017 was a really hectic year for me. I had a lot happen. And toward the end of that year, I was, again, in that place of really feeling burnt out and frustrated with where I was in my life and my business. And I knew I needed a change. So I did another really big, scary thing. And I fired all of my clients. So I had four clients that we were running social media accounts for, two national brands, two local businesses. We were creating content, posting, growing their following, managing their communities. I fired all of them. And then I had about 15, 16, 17 coaching clients at that time that I either finished contracts with, didn't renew, didn't upsell, anything like that, and launched the online portion of my business, which is what I do now, which is a membership site that we run online. So it's a little bit different, as you said, than a traditional business and that our entire business is online. We serve people from all around the world. We've been able in the past year to serve over a thousand students in dozens of countries around the world. All of our business is conducted online. Most of our team is virtual and online. And we run our business using Facebook ads, and Instagram, blogging and email marketing and things like that. So it's really incredible. It's an incredible business model, but it's hard to explain to people. For example, my mom still doesn't really know what I do. <laughs> but yeah, that's my journey. That's how I got to running an online business and kind of the convoluted way to get here. I love that you shared that because, you know, I talk a lot on this podcast about, you know, new things, like new ways of thinking, new ways of being, and contrast that with, you know, before we got started, I was telling you that a lot of people, including myself, felt like the harder we work, the closer that light at the end of the tunnel is going to get. And, you know, hearing your story, I hear you trying new things, 
like things that you didn't even know were going to take you in another direction, like the essential oil spray. You couldn't possibly imagine how that was going to take you into this other realm of pitching, doing something for your friend in this store in an Instagram account and deciding, okay, this is something that would benefit them. And I love them so much. And this just feels like a good thing to do is pitching them. This is not something you did before. So, you know, if anyone listening, I hope you're hearing, you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know what's next. Just do what feels good to you. That's what I did. I started an online tea business. I still have a website, you know, for it, but it's really interesting because that's really what led me into doing this podcast a few years later and entering this coaching space that I'm in now. And there's no way I could have foreseen how that would shake out. Like, there's just no way. You just kind of have to go with the flow and try new things. Would you agree with that? I totally agree. And I would even say that thinking that you have a clear picture of how it's going to end up could actually be more dangerous than not having a clear picture because we become so obsessive over the outcome and the result that we're unable to see the opportunity as we are trying to get there. And you're so right. And I had never even thought about it before of how starting that business... And I'm a big fan of practicing gratitude to your past self and the decisions your past self made to get you to where you are now. Thinking your past self for working so hard then, pulling the all-nighter, not getting paid then, working so hard, being frustrated, anxious, whatever, dealing with the grief, whatever. Thinking your past self for doing that. So it's just giving me a moment to like think my past self for like having that idea to create that business so that it could get me here. I never even thought of that. And you're so right. You know, if I would have created that business with the outcome of, well, I want this to be the next takeover young living or something like that with my product, then I would have never seen the opportunity to get to where I am now. And I think a lot of times, especially as high achievers, as folks who want to do the best, and that is definitely something I identify with. It's so easy for us to think, well, the representation of our best will be this result. But instead, if we just pull back and said, well, the representation of my best is actually just doing the best in this moment and being open to possibilities. Just think about what could happen from here. It's so incredible. It's funny when you're talking about that, I have like two minds, right? So part of me feels like, you know, as a lawyer, when you go to court, you have a result in mind. Like that's period. That's the way you think. You have to have that result-minded offense. And if you don't, you're going to fail. That is the straight line of a lawyer's mind. And then when you start exploring other aspects of your life, which I started doing with the tea business, I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew I needed to start a business because that's what scared me. And I needed to address my fear. And that was the first thing that came to mind because I knew I had blended some teas for friends and they liked them. So I actually went about creating the labels, doing all of the packaging, you know, figuring out how to do marketing online since that was the only space I had outside of my day job. And this whole world opened up for me in which I could allow things like that to flow, not knowing about it because that's not how I rolled. I was not a flow, go with the flow kind of person. I'm still working with that. <laughs> But yeah, it's like I had to address the fear of failure for me because I became so attached to having a certain result and having to let go of that result and recognize that something else better served me was scary because of that fear of failure. Have you had that pop up in your life? 
Yeah, I definitely have. I definitely have. And well, first of all, I wanted to say, I love that you said I had to allow that to happen. I think that's just such a beautiful way to put that and to think of that. And, you know, Abraham Hicks talks about the art of allowing, how it's kind of one of the cosmic principles that the world runs by, whether or not you believe it or not. It's kind of how the universe operates is the art of allowing and allowing things to happen and the magic that can happen when you allow things. I love that. So, you know, for me, it was this realization of leaving my career at the YMCA was scary. It was terrifying because I had trained and I had been groomed for the job that I had. And I know it sounds crazy, but I minored in YMCA professional studies in college. I interned at YMCA of the USA in Chicago. I traveled nationally and internationally with the YMCA. I was on national teams with YMCA of the USA. I went to Asia and represented the YMCA and, and events there. And I was doing the YMCA thing. Like that was my life. It was part of my identity is I was a YMCA professional. And when I graduated college, I was like, oh, I'm going to go work for the Y. I'll eventually be an executive director. I'll eventually work my way up to be a VP. I'll eventually be a CEO of a small to mid-sized YMCA, having like a 10 to $20 million budget. And I'll retire when I'm 50 and get my YMCA retirement fund. And like that'll be my life. That was my plan. And then I had this moment of realization that I was worthy of so much more than that that I had so much more to give the world, that I had so much more to share than that one path, that one limited view of what my life could have been that I had been sold by others. And it was terrifying to leave that behind because that was certain. I knew the path for that since I was 22 years old. I knew where I would be 20, 30 years from then and what my life would look like. And for me to throw all of that aside and to say, thanks, but no thanks, I'm going to go this direction. It was terrifying. But it was also the realization of what was even scarier was waking up one day when I was 50 years old and realizing I had missed the opportunity to allow. I had missed the opportunity to say yes to things because I had been so obsessed with the result and the path that I had been given that I missed the opportunity to create my own. That was my eyes are watering right now. That's a huge thing. And I think it's a reason that that fear of letting go of that certainty that holds us back so often from moving in another direction, trying something new. And it's scary for other people to see someone else do it, I think, because then when they're reflecting on their own life, they may or may not feel that they're moving in the right direction, that they've made the right choices. That's something I have seen people react to when they hear my story. Sometimes they become a little almost defensive. Like they kind of look at you funny, like, what are you doing? Did you ever have any of that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And like, I think a lot of times the confusion that people have about what you do is really just judgment, but it's like hidden amongst confusion. I had um, a couple of things. One is whenever I left my job at the YMCA, I joked that my goal was to become one of those people that you see online that is always posting pictures of themselves like doing things and traveling. And you find yourself going, how do they do that? What do they do for work? <laughs> how are they paying their bills? Like that was one of my goals. So I'm very proud that I've been able to achieve that. <laughs> <laughs> when I left my job, 
they were all so confused. They didn't understand it. Like from the CEO on down, people I'd worked with for years who I loved dearly, who are incredible professionals and who have so much passion for their community and the work that they do. They could not understand why I was leaving my job and what I was going to do. Partially because I didn't know what the hell I was going to do either, right? Like I didn't really have anything to tell them. Something else happened about two years into this whole journey. I met with some friends from college for lunch. I hadn't seen them in, gosh, probably a year at this point. And I was in a place of feeling pretty good about my business. I was working a lot and it was hard. It was really hard at that phase. This was early in 2017. I was on my own trying to build this business. And I had lunch with these two friends and they just ragged on me the whole time. Like they couldn't understand what I was doing. They were making fun of my business. They were making fun of me and like why I quit my job to have this business. And these friends and I had like incredible rapport. We always like, we joke with each other. We, we were sarcastic and funny. But for some reason that just, it stung me so much. And I think what hurt me so much more was that I was having this conversation with these two people who both hated the jobs that they had, who were both in careers that were not fulfilling for them, who were both stressed and overworked and overwhelmed by their work with no outcome or result. And while I was like stressed and overwhelmed by my work, I was like doing that for a purpose, right? But they weren't. And I actually ended those friendships. I haven't spoken to either one of those people since then. And it was that realization of sometimes that desire that others have for what you have or what you're experiencing comes out in the form of judgment. And I try to be really conscious of that in my own life. And this is really easy to do as an online business because everyone's business is out there, right? And we talk in terms of dollars and cents and impact and revenue and figures. And like that's how we kind of qualify ourselves in this online space. And it's really easy to look to your side and see these other people who have the things that you think you want and to immediately go into a place of judging them and minimizing them and making up stories about them when instead it's just a realization of like, and I actually just heard this yesterday from James Wedmore, which was an incredible reminder in a coaching call with him of that their success is taking nothing from me. Their success is doing nothing but providing opportunities for more success for me. Their achievement takes nothing from my ability to achieve. And that's kind of a constant struggle. And that is rooted in fear, right? Because, well, if they get that thing, then there won't be enough for me. But we all know that's not true. So yeah, all that to say, yes, I've had that experience before and I've literally ended friendships because people are being asses about things. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting that you bring up that fear of lack, that fear of there not being enough opportunity, that fear of, you know, for me, I recognized this years ago and it was so interesting when I had the realization I was doing it because it was just a snap second. I was teaching a yoga class and I was sharing responsibility for teaching that yoga class. And I noticed that my brain wanted me to be liked more than the other teacher. Like I just noticed, like, I just wanted to be liked more. I wanted to be the better teacher. And then I thought to myself, wait a minute, what am I thinking? This is like the dumbest thought ever. Her being really good doesn't make me worse. I had the strange evaluation that if I was not better, that somehow I was failing, that I was not as good as. 
it was a really strange realization. And I saw that rooted in the fear that, you know, there's only one person who could be the teacher. You know, there's only one person who could be liked by this group of people. It was so strange. And I was very thankful that I had that realization because I have not noticed that kind of thinking again. And if I have, then I've been able to nip it in the bud immediately because that really is rooted in that fear of not being enough, of not being able to, you know, in your case, it was to be able to be enough in front of your friends. And you were just like, hey, I'm out. I don't need this. I don't know if that's ever showed up in your life, but... It definitely has. It definitely has. And I know for me, one thing I'm being really conscious of in 2019, even to going to the point of like hiring a coach to work on this is the whole concept of self-love and recognizing that the only person that I have to be enough for, that I have to be the best for is for myself, not for anyone else. And doing that internal work of recognizing that and accepting that. For me personally, it's helping me work through all of those stories that I have about the need to be better than others, because it's just not there. It shouldn't be there. It doesn't have to be there. You know, I notice it a lot in the legal profession where, you know, it's highly competitive because you win or you lose. I mean, those are the two options. Well, and you're like ranked as you're getting educated, right? Like right. You're, they tell you where you fall. <laughs> right. You're either smarter than somebody or you're not. You're either better able to argue a case or you're not. It's one or the other. And if it's not that legally structured world, that's not how the rest of life works. And I don't think I started recognizing that until about eight years ago. It was one of those things that I was really confused. And that brought up fears because if this wasn't the way that the world worked, there was a right and a wrong, then I have no idea how to navigate this world because it is totally new to me. So that is something that I've personally had to work through is just starting to work through those fears and and recognize, you know what, there's a lot more to life than winning and losing. There's actually one thing that James Wedmore has helped me realize just listening to his podcast and being in business by design is that you can see more possibility that when you quote unquote fail or quote unquote lose, you're never really feeling or losing, you're always gaining something by that. And it's the opportunity to grow. And that's something that I definitely needed to learn in my life so that I could let go some of those fears of not being good enough. So I would like to talk about fear of judgment. And we were talking about community organizing earlier. And we were talking about how you must have been used to hearing the word no a lot, or, you know, in the case of your friends who were acting from a place of judgment when they were saying those things. How do you work through that? You know, being online in the online space, you are more accessible to people. And because you have such a large and engaged group of people who are online with you, follow you, do you receive any hate mail, you know, critics who are coming at them? And if you do, how do you deal with that? Yeah, that's a really great question. As I've put myself out there more, I have received more of that. I kind of approach it in a couple of ways. The first way is... I think about it in kind of a like funny, sarcastic way, because that's one of the ways I approach life. And I was raised by a very sarcastic father. And, you know, like I'm used to thinking in that way. I had a very sarcastic grandmother. So one of the ways I think of it is 
unless people are saying things like that, then I must not be saying the right things. So, and I teach my students this too, that, you know, our goal online and creating content and showing up, especially doing what I like to call personality-based marketing, which so many of us are doing now, is our goal is, of course, to attract people to us, to attract the right people to become part of our communities. But it's equally as important, if not more important, that we repel the right people as well, that we are giving people the opportunity to encounter us, whether that's on Instagram or a podcast or Facebook Live or wherever. We're giving them the opportunity to encounter us and make that conscious decision of saying, yes, they are the person for me. Like I want to learn from them. I love their voice, their approach, their appearance, the way that they say that, how they say that, what they do, how they do it. Like I love that. I want to learn from them. And it's equally as important, if not more important, that people are seeing us or hearing us or experiencing our content or who we are. And they're going, Ugh, who do they think they are? Like, I do not want to hear from them. I hate the way they sound. I hate the way that they say that. They're ugly. They're fat. I don't want to learn from them. Whatever, like whatever things they're saying, like that's their own shit. Like that has nothing to do with me. But giving people the opportunity to have that experience as well, because I'm a big believer in that. I don't want anyone as part of my community who's lukewarm about what I do and how I approach what I teach. I want people who are in it, who are in it, who are part of our community who pay to be part of our membership site because they believe in the message and they believe in the possibility and they are committed to their own success and their business's success using the things that I teach. I don't want anyone in there who's not committed to that. So that's part of the way I approach it is if I'm not offending people and turning people off and I'm not getting people judging me for what I'm saying, then I'm not saying enough of the right stuff. I'm not saying enough of the stuff that's challenging their thoughts and their beliefs and that's forcing them to change their mind about things. So that's part of it. You know, one thing that I deal with online, which I know a lot of people deal with is comments about my appearance. And that's really interesting. I get a lot of comments about my weight and that this is typically on advertisements because we're running all kinds of ads on Facebook and Instagram. So people who have never heard me before, who never seen me comment and make comments about my appearance. And I actually had one just yesterday and this guy commented on one of my Facebook ads. It was a video and he just said, this dude is so fat. And you know, like a couple of years ago, I would have been like so offended by that, like so bothered. Probably like six months ago, I would have just hidden that or deleted his comment or blocked him from the page. Yesterday, I literally just responded with an Ariana Grande gif of her saying, and what about it? (laughs) Yeah, I'm fat. Like, who cares? Like, what about it? What does that have to do with anything? First of all, dude, like you're not my ideal client. I don't know why you're seeing this ad. We got to work on our targeting somehow. (laughs) Don't even need to see this. Then you comment. It's like, okay, thank you for seeing that and writing it. I know that. You know that. Like, And what about it? What does that have to do with anything? So that's part of it too, is realizing that like, who cares? Who cares what people are saying, right? Like at the end of the day, the only person, the only opinion that matters is mine. Like the only opinion of me that matters is mine. And I have my community, my closest friends, my partner, my family who love me and care for me unconditionally, who don't care about those things. I know that I'm fortunate because I'm at this place of self-actualization and realization where I can encounter those things with confidence and they don't bother me as much. But a couple of years ago, yeah, like that would have put me into a tailspin and like put me out of commission for a few hours or a few days even of like not being able to do work. But now it's just the realization of like, I have something to share with the right people. I have a community of people who value what I say and how I say it. And at the end of the day, like that's all that really matters online is, is it connecting, resonating with my community, with my people, 
Is it also at the same time repelling people and turning people off? So I'm not getting people in my community who aren't my people. And am I being like honest and true and genuine and integrity when I share that? And if I can kind of check off yeses on all those things, then all right, I'm just going to keep doing it. It doesn't really matter what other people say. Okay. So that makes me think of two things. So the first is, did you always feel comfortable sharing what you share on your Instagram or online on your website in terms of your picture, in terms of video, in terms of like sharing personal things about your life? And if not, because I suspect that you have not always been, how did you find that ability to do so? When I first started out, I wasn't as confident. And I think part of that is kind of the time in which I started my online business. So 2016, 2017 online, especially on Instagram, was a different time than it is now in 2019. You know, then we were in a time where there was a lot of obsession over curation and perfection on the internet. Fortunately, thanks to lots of people, and I would be so humble as to say, like, I think I've been able to help people do this through what I do online. There's been a lot of kind of peeling back that obsession and that perfection and curation to show up as our more genuine and honest selves on the internet. Because at the end of the day, that's what we all really need, especially today in the world. Like, that's what we need. We need real people sharing real stories. So it was definitely a different time. So I hid more through like stock photos or flat lay photos. I didn't really showcase myself as much. And that was kind of what the market wanted at the time online as well. But you know, we've really entered a unique time with business and online marketing and just social media in general, and that people are craving real connections with real human beings. And I am doing not only myself a disservice, but my community a disservice if I'm not showing up and sharing the real things. I think another thing that's really helped me, and I know not everyone has this shared experience, but I was in my first musical when I was five years old. And I did musical theater until I was 18. And, you know, spending your entire childhood and young adulthood on stage is one of the most valuable. I like, I want to get teary eyed just thinking about it that I'm like so grateful that my parents provided that opportunity for me. I grew up in a small town in North Carolina in the Bible Belt in a Southern Baptist family. And I was a chubby, effeminate, queer kid who didn't want to play football, who his coach paid to sit on the bench during church basketball leagues because I was so bad. And my activity and my expression came through art and music and dance and being on the stage and performing. It's what I loved and it's what lit me up. But at the same time, I had an entire childhood of hiding and being insecure because of the way that I spoke and I moved and my body looked in a community where other people didn't look or sound or move like me. So I learned from a young age and being on stage that whenever I was on stage, it was not about me or for me. It was for the audience. Like I was on stage embodying that role for the people in the seats. And I'm able to look back now and take that lesson into what I do now and recognize that when I share my story, when I talk about depression and anxiety as an entrepreneur, when I talk about being a gay man in the entrepreneurial space, when I talk about my father dying unexpectedly and the impact that had on my life and my business, I am not doing that for me. I'm doing that for my audience because these are stories that people need to hear. These are experiences that need to be shared. These are things that people need to learn. And when I approach it that way, I think when we all approach it that way and recognize it is not about us, it is about the people that we are serving. People first, people always. When we approach it with that perspective, 
it makes the job of sharing those things no longer an option. It becomes a duty. It's a responsibility. Because if we don't share those things, we are keeping people from their opportunity to be their best selves and live their best lives and build a better business and have better relationships with themselves or with their children or with their partners or whatever it may be. So that's how I approach it now. I don't get to do this. I have to do this. It's my responsibility to share these stories, to show up in this way, to be this voice, to be this representation so other people can see that and know it's okay for them to do the same as well. I just want everybody to sit with that for a second. What you're saying is the ultimate in connection, that ultimate in being the most vulnerable so you can help the most people. I got chills when you shared all of that. Thank you so much. Of course. Okay. So I want to respect your time. So I want to address one more fear. And gosh, we could talk all day long about this, couldn't we? Um, so, (laughs) So one big goal. I know you have this year because you share online and because I hear this and it inspires people when you do share these things is that you have a goal of scaling your business to a million dollars this year. But this is a goal that is one of those hairy, scary goals, right? That goal where it's not about hitting the goal. It's about becoming the person that you can become on the way to the goal. Yeah. My question to you is, is How do you manage, work through the feelings that come up with this goal? And what are the feelings that are coming up with this goal? Oh my gosh. So many. (laughs) many. Money stuff is just weird. I had a lot of surprising success in 2018 in my business. 2017, when I fired all of my clients, my partner Eric and I just moved to Chicago from North Carolina. And it was August. We had just paid our rent for our first month here. Neither he nor I had worked for the past three months because he had quit his full-time retail management job before we moved to get ready for our move. My dad got sick. He died unexpectedly. And I was out of work for weeks. And we got here and we paid our first month's rent. And we were out of money. Like we were broke. And we literally did not know how we were going to pay our next month's rent. And I started this membership community knowing like, this is the thing that I had to do. Like, first of all, this is how I wanted to impact the world. And secondly, we had no other option. (laughs) Like we had to do this. He and I were both like looking for jobs. And in less than a year, my business went from that moment of he and I standing in the kitchen. I had a notebook I had gotten at Walgreens. It was like a 99 cent notebook. And I had written out all of our bills and then where we had money coming in from and me trying to piece it together and make the math work. And it wasn't going to work. From that moment to in a year's time, I had a business that did over half a million dollars. And I know it sounds like one of those like bullshit stories you hear on the internet, but it's real. Like That was my real experience, my real life. And I changed so much in that year. And I felt like so much of my success was accidental. And I think the reason it happened is because I had no expectation for what was going to happen. I had no goal in mind, really. I was just building this business. I was helping people. I made some money and I thought, okay, cool. I want to make some more money the next month. And okay, cool. I can make some more money the next month and go from there. And what really came up for me in 2018 and building this business is that I have this ability 
to connect deeply and intimately with people on the internet. And I can use that ability to help people have better lives or have a better business and introduce them to things that can help make that possible for them and share my story of how I got here and how they could potentially get there too. So that is my goal in 2019. And, you know, the million dollar thing, I want to build a million dollar business. Part of it is just this like, well, I mean, everyone has one. I might as well get one too. (laughs) So that's part of it. Part of it is it's like great making money. You know, I think we need to stop being scared of it. I think that fear is why we have so many starving artists and why we have people not charging their worth and why we have people not creating the things they want to create because they're being held back by this fear. I don't even think it's as much as the fear of not having money. I think more often than not, it's the fear of what if this does work and the fear of success that's holding people back. Because I know for me, I grew up in a house where there wasn't a lot of money. And I had that experience, that kind of stress, a childhood of stress around money and finances. And that trained me to believe that money was bad and the enemy and the wrong thing. And growing up in the church for me, that was part of kind of my experience as well. And I've had to unlearn all of that. So that's part of kind of the journey too. Is like, I've seen the opportunity and possibility that having money provides for Eric and I. We can travel more. We can see more things. We can do more things. We can buy the things we want. We can give back to causes we believe in. We can buy the organic thing instead of the non-organic thing. You know, like things like that. We can do it. We can shop local in our neighborhood and support local businesses who may be quote unquote too expensive, but we see the value in keeping money in our local economy and supporting our community here. Those types of things, right? I see the value in that. And then part of it too is like, I just love a scary goal. Like, I just love it. I know, and I think this is kind of a good place for us to come to. I know that for me, I do my best work when it's coming from a basis of fear. That when my back is up against a wall and I have an opportunity to do something incredible, but scary, nothing lights a fire under my ass more than that. And having that goal and putting that goal out there and talking about that goal on podcast and posting about it online and sharing it with my community and saying, my goal is to make a million dollars this year, to have a million dollar business. It's terrifying. But I think about the possibility and the opportunity that that provides me. I think about being able to build a team with a million dollar business, being able to support other people and hire people. I think about being able to purchase other people's programs or coaching or services and support their businesses. I think about giving back to causes that we believe in for you know rural LGBTQ communities in the South who don't have access to the things that I wish that I would have had access to as a queer kid growing up in the South. I think about what it looks like to cast this vision for other entrepreneurs who are stuck in those mundane, boring nine to fives that aren't giving them the opportunity to really fully harness who they are and to showcase their skills and their talents and what this idea provides for them to leave their job and go after the thing. And I just think about that opportunity. Like, why would I not do this? Why would I miss out on this opportunity? And you're right, reaching a million dollars or not, like, it doesn't really matter. I know with confidence that I will get there and more this year. And I just know that, like, you're right, who I have to become to get there is going to be a totally different person than who I am right now. I'm so excited for that opportunity. Just so excited for the opportunity to make that happen. Well, I am so thankful that you shared some of your story with us today because. I just got chills talking to you and listening to some of the things that you were saying. And 
I think that sharing your story makes things not so scary, you know, for people who have had those same experiences. They know that they're not alone. They know that they can go through these things and come out bigger and better doing amazing things. So thank you so much for sharing all of this. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about where they can find you? And I'll be sure to link to all of this in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. So I'm on Instagram at Tyler J. McCall. So I would love to connect with you there. Make sure you send me a direct message when you find me or even better yet, take a screenshot of listening to this episode and tag both of us. So we can both say hi to you on Instagram. And then if you want to learn more about using Instagram, if you have a business online or a brand or product that you want to learn more about using Instagram for that, you can check out tylerjmccall.com slash roadmap. And I have a free resource that will walk you through getting started on Instagram, using Instagram in a more genuine and intentional way and how you can use it to market yourself and turn your followers into raving fans. Thank you so much, Tyler. Okay, my friend, I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I had a blast talking to Tyler. He's just so sweet. And I want to make sure that you remember to go to dinacataldo.com forward slash 39 to grab your free dream sheet and to find links to Tyler's free resource as well as to his website. I really think that if you are into marketing at all, or if you're just interested in people at all, you're going to love watching his Insta stories. So I will talk to you next week and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Soul Roadmap. If you have a moment, I'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe, rate, and left an honest review on iTunes. I read every single review, so let me know what you want to hear more or less of, and I'll talk to you next week.